Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where dreams come true and nightmares are just repressed memories yearning to break free. Book number 45, Family Secrets. What's the secret that's hurting Kelly Bates? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart. And with me today is Shay Zanotti. Is that your last name, Shay? That is my last name. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I realized right before I was about to say it, like, oh, Shay, you is one of the only people in my phone that is literally just in my phone as Shay. And also, I have been meaning to correct the spelling of your name in my phone for (laughs) almost as long as it's been in there. (laughs) So it's really bad form for me. Um, but hello, welcome, Shay. Hey, I am thrilled to have you here to talk about this very significant and important work of literature, Family Secrets. And um, I wanted to start, of course, by talking a little bit about the cover of this book, uh, which is an interesting one. Interesting in that the cover artist had the easiest time ever and just <laughs> yes. copied the same face three times. Right. So listeners, what we have here is uh, something that is honestly a little bit alarming, which <laughs> it looks as if suddenly now instead of two Wakefield twins, there is a third Wakefield twin or a Wakefield triplet. And in the book that we that we learn, and, and you can gather from reading the subtitle that this is Kelly Bates, uh, who is the cousin of the Wakefields. It's Alice Wakefield's sister's daughter, which makes sense because... The books always tell us how Jessica and Elizabeth look just like Alice. So if she was a cousin on the dad's side, it would be really weird for her to look just <laughs> like the twins. But yeah, you're right, Shay. Uh, Kelly is described in the book as looking like a lot like the twins, but not identical to them. But the artist here, James Matthews is his name, has just sort of like given the girl in the middle, made her a little taller and given her less of a neck. Yeah, here, here's the thing, James, whoever you are. <laughs> this is a scene from the book. This is them going to school for the first time when Kelly comes to visit. So it's yes. exact, like who's wearing what t-shirt, they've done it on purpose. But they make a big point about talking about how Jessica doesn't want to pull her hair into a ponytail. Yeah. So none of them have a ponytail. I, it's very weird. It's like the opposite of what actually happens in the book. And the yeah. only way you can tell them apart in this cover is that the twins are wearing their necklaces. Exactly. They're gold lavaliers on either side. Also, in the scene where they discuss getting dressed, Kelly talks about how she has a cute top that looks like the one Jessica <laughs> was wearing the other day. And they're totally just wearing crew neck t-shirts. And this is not, This is these are very boring outfits. Uh, that was a cute top in 1983. <laughs> Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, so Shay, we jumped right into the cover, but I also, I always like to ask my guests about their history with the Sweet Valley High novels. And I feel like a little birdie told me that maybe this was not your first rodeo uh, with Sweet Valley High. No, I mean, I grew up with Sweet Valley High. I'm an 80s kid. I went right into it probably when I was way too young to be into it, like first or second grade picking up those Sweet Valley High books. (laughs) Wow. I mean, we always marvel that the books say on the cover that they're for ages 12 and up. But (laughs) I know what you mean. Like, you wanted that that was like the whole allure of the books in a way, right? It's calling to younger girls and trying to like, like, oh, what's high school going to be like? (laughs) Yeah, well, and Sweet Valley Twins didn't exist yet. Ah, good point. Good point. I Sweet Valley Twins was definitely that was actually what I read when I was younger. I did not read Sweet Valley High until I was uh, an adult. I, I mean, a young adult, but an adult. Yeah, I don't know when Sweet Valley Twins started. I remember coming across it when I was in junior high, like the age appropriateness of it and thinking, well, this is weird. Now I've gone back in time. Yeah, yeah. And everything's just tamer. And you would never have what happens in this book happen in a Sweet Valley Twins book. (laughs) So, I mean, let's get into it. It starts off simply enough. You know, Kelly is coming to visit the the twins. She's going to stay with them for a little while. But I guess I am already going to go back on it because it's not really simple. Like the circumstances 
are surrounding Kelly's visit are so weird, I thought. Yeah, yeah, they're just sending her away. I don't, and it says it's been eight years since since she's seen her California family. Yeah, so Kelly lived in Sweet Valley when she was a little girl with her parents. And let me see if I have, okay, I have, I'm going to read a little passage here that kind of describes the situation. Elizabeth sat down at the table and propped her chin up on her hands. It's been so long since we've seen Kelly, ever since Aunt Laura left Uncle Greg and moved to Tucson. She frowned. How long ago was it? Eight years? Mm, Mrs. Wickfield agreed. You know, Jessica said, peeling a banana, I never did understand why she left Sweet Valley like that. Mrs. Wickfield's mouth tightened. Your Aunt Laura had every reason to leave Greg, she said tersely. Across the table, Elizabeth and Jessica exchanged a meaningful look. They had heard enough about their uncle to know he wasn't exactly the ideal husband. He had always been handsome and notoriously charming. But he had also cheated on his wife and then swore never to do it again, again and again. He had a terrible temper and always apologized extravagantly for losing it. Their aunt had put up with a lot. But finally, one night, she had packed up eight-year-old Kelly, taken a plane for Tucson, and later filed for divorce. No one ever talked about the incident, but Elizabeth suspected that something terrible must have happened. So, there's the backstory of leaving Sweet Valley. But what's not in there is that now Aunt Laura is getting remarried and the new husband has kids, right? Yeah, kids. And I think it's just that he's she's getting remarried at all. Yeah. And the thing that seems strangest to me about the whole plan of having Kelly, as is, as is advertised, of having Kelly come to stay in Sweet Valley is that repeatedly we're told that it's like she's going to stay there until the tension eases between her and her mother. <laughs> she's going to stay there until she gets used to the idea of her mother marrying this guy, Tony. But, like, how can she get used to an idea that's not in front of her? At least that's how it struck me. Yeah, no, it's weird. It's like she's been sent away. Yeah. And Kelly, meanwhile, we quickly learn, is really excited about being away from her mother because her mother is terrible. And then there's this whole dynamic where Aunt Laura has never told Kelly why she left her father and never wants to say a bad word about Uncle Greg. Has to never told Kelly. anybody. Her own oh, sister good point. doesn't yeah. know what happened. <laughs> right. It, but and then and so nobody knows what happens. And then the next it's like stepped up from that. Laura doesn't want anyone to ever say anything bad about Greg because she doesn't want to poison her daughter against her father, which I mean is understandable, but it seems like it's a backfired a little bit. Just a little bit. Because <laughs> Kelly is just obsessed with her father and thinks he's the greatest man on earth. And eventually, you know, we learn pretty quickly, just jumping ahead, we'll go back to earlier things, but she announces her intention to, you know, con- tell her dad that she wants to live with him now and she wants to stay in Southern California forever. Right. Her father, who's never home and always traveling. He is in Europe for a lot of this time. So so Kelly arrives really quickly, and the Elizabeth and Jessica are so excited to see her, and she's going to be staying in Jessica's room, and they have a lot of fun with that. And quickly, like, some events that are going to happen in the book get set up. Jessica and Elizabeth are going to introduce Kelly to a boy, Nicholas Morrow. <laughs> but why? That, this is, it all comes back to the whole, this girl has not seen any of them in eight years. Yeah, I guess they just think she needs she needs a boy t- to be into. I-, I don't know. You're right. It's the why is very weird. And it doesn't not a lot comes of it, you know. The book almost sets up like there's going to be a whole conflict later on with Nicholas, but it never really happens. No, it um, never comes up again. Like it's just are you going to tell him you don't want to go with him? Are you going to tell him? Right. Because she never Nicholas, does. <laughs> right. Nic- so Nicholas is introduced to Kelly at the Dairy Burger. And seems to really like her a lot. And he invites her to this costume party at the country club that's coming up. So that's going to be like essentially the big dance. They even call it a dance. And you have to have an invitation from someone who is a member of the country club. But it doesn't matter because like the whole high school, yes. the whole junior class of Sweet Valley High is there. Wait. <laughs> In fact, everybody is at this dance except Nicholas. 
He never yeah. shows up. He never makes point. an appearance. We don't see Nicholas at all. It's just like the the ghostwriter just like forgot about that plot line, which is kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, so that's coming up. And Nicholas has the brilliant idea that Jessica, Elizabeth, and Kelly, because they look so alike, when they dressed the same and went to the school, everybody was over the moon about how amazing it was that, that it was like there was the third twin. And he tells the girls that they should find a costume where the three of them can, like, it's like a group costume. So they start racking their brains about that. And that (laughs) is the moment I got excited. Yeah? Tell me (laughs) more. Because I really didn't remember this book until that moment. And then Uh it all came back to me and I remembered what they were. I was like, oh, no. Did you really? (laughs) So that's amazing to me because what they choose to be to me is one of the strangest things about this whole book. They it's go through so many suggestions. So many that would have been better, but three little pigs, the three blind mice. Uh the apparently Elizabeth suggested they could be the Bronte sisters and they laugh about how that was a bad idea. I was like, "Awesome, be the Bronte sisters." That's what I thought too, but when they actually get to the part where they put their costumes together and it's so janky and awful that they <laughs> I just like you could never pull off the Bronte sisters. You wouldn't right. have been able to get it together. Well, so, I mean, we're skipping to the end of the book, but it doesn't really matter. Um, So I think that maybe the authors got really excited about the thematic suggestion of of these characters, but they their costume is a big secret. Somehow they wait until like the last minute to put most of it together. Even though they have a week and a half before this dance. Right. And they're just like coming up on the fly with like things they can do and ways they can paste these costumes together. And they end up going as the no evil monkeys. <laughs> Shay, do you care to explain to the listeners what the no evil monkeys are? I mean, they're just that parable that you grow up with, with hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And you always see them with the monkeys with their hands over their ears and their eyes and their mouth. Like, I'm sure... There's a picture of me somewhere recreating it with someone. And they, they're they so proud of themselves. And they're like, people are going to go wild for this. Like, everybody's going to be so excited when they when they see us. They're going to freak out. Um, We're monkeys. Yeah. They, they, but And the book goes into really great detail about how they're constructing the costumes. It's almost like if you read this book carefully enough, you could have a little, like, costume lesson. And it's basically like a... Um, how-to guide for making a janky monkey costume. I I think we should. I think it should be a tutorial at some point where we video everything that goes into this and see just how awful it would be. I love that idea. Um, So the thematic part comes in where they have a discussion about which one of them is going to be which monkey and they make a joke about how jessica could never be speak no evil because she would have to keep her mouth shut all night and (laughs) oh it should be liz and of course kelly ends up being see no evil and that is so thematically significant that on the back of the book the back cover of my my paperback cover of this book right under the words family secrets it says in big letters before the summary of the book it says see no evil dot 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 oh my (laughs) god I know, doesn't that say, it makes it seem like this is a super thriller or something. It's very sinister. But um, Kelly, you know, like her main character trait becomes her willingness to be very uh, forgiving of men who treat her like shit. Yes. From the get-go with her father. Because she's got this guy, Nicholas Morrow, the most eligible bachelor in Sweet Valley, California. Yeah, rich, hot, tragic past. Really nice. He's such a nice guy. He wears an ascot. (laughs) He has good taste in food. I mean, he's he's. Wait, wait, is is the ascot a selling point for you? (laughs) I I think I just had to. I just couldn't resist throwing in the fact that one time the book described Nicholas Morrow wearing an ascot. So that's he doesn't wear it all the time. But I mean, I guess what I should have said is he owns an ascot. <laughs> Which that is a selling point for me. He only wears it on his yacht, though. <laughs> right, but he, you know, if he takes you out on his yacht, he won't make a big deal out of the fact that he has a yacht. You know, he'll try to downplay it. 
Like, I know, I know this is a little bit much, but I do, I know how you love the ocean. Like, that would be Nicholas Morrow. Yeah, totally. But the moment she lays eyes on the absolute worst guy <laughs> in Sweet Valley High, she's like, ooh, I'm gonna go with Kirk Anderson, Kirk the Jerk Anderson, to the costume party. Somehow Kirk's parents are in the country club, too, which was a surprise to me, uh, instead of Nicholas Morrow. And she's gonna have to call Nicholas which she puts off for a long time and, like, reject his, like, turn down his date. She's already accepted it. And she's going to, like, renege on that date so that she can go to the costume party with Kirk Anderson. Not cool, Kelly. Not cool. It's not cool at all. And so I this is a little bit of a long passage, but I thought it might be fun to take a look at Kirk's appearance uh, when when he and Kelly first meet. So it's been a few books since Kirk Anderson has been a part of our story here. And the last time was when uh, something was happening where, oh, he was encouraging somebody to write love letters to Penny Ayala. And that was a fun episode uh, and a fun fun book. But Kirk sucked. The Wakefields and their friends got back at Kirk for his cruelty by, like, making up this fake cousin who was beautiful and was going to go to this party or dance or something with him. Because the Wakefield twins are diabolical. When they put their heads together, there's really nothing, no scheme they can't, they can't achieve. (laughs) So Kelly is like owning Jessica at tennis. Like she's kicking her ass. They're playing tennis somewhere. And all of a sudden, um, Kurt comes up. So here's this scene. Yes, it's me, Jessica. He drawled as he clasped his hands behind his neck and tossed his mane of black hair back off his forehead. He appraised Kelly with a lingering glance. Your favorite person in the whole world. Just ignore him, Kelly, Jessica said in a scornful tone. You know, Kurt continued, staring meaningfully at Kelly. Jessica and Elizabeth once tried to set me up with their beautiful cousin. I guess you were tied up. That's why you couldn't make it. What? I don't... Flustered, Kelly looked from Kirk to Jessica and back again. Her cheeks were tinged with pink, and she toyed unconsciously with the ends of her windblown hair. Jessica turned her back on Kirk deliberately and folded her arms. Come on, Kelly. You're served. So, I figure you owe me an apology, cousin, Kirk went on, his voice slow and husky. Kelly walked uncertainly toward the fence, as though pulled by a magnet. She gave him a hesitant smile. What are you talking about? He rose from the bench and strolled nonchalantly to the fence opposite her. He twined the fingers of one hand through the links and gave Kelly another appraising glance. I'm talking about you and me going out sometime. It's only fair. Oh, give it up, Kirk, Jessica exploded. That's the most nauseating line I've ever heard. Kirk narrowed his eyes at her. I wasn't talking to you. Smiling again, he turned back to Kelly. How about it? Want to grab dinner at the dairy burger with me? Well... For a moment, Kelly hesitated, her cheeks flaming. With growing horror, Jessica realized that Kelly was attracted to Kirk. It was obvious by the self-conscious way Kelly kept shifting from one foot to the other, her eyes darting to Kirk's handsome features. How could Kelly not see what a total jerk he was, Jessica wondered. So, um... I just, I realized listening to the podcast uh, the past, like this season so far, that almost every single time I finish reading a passage, I say, so. (laughs) But it's it's the thing to say. It's a segue. It's so slimy. He's so slimy. You were reading and it was even worse than reading it, hearing it out loud. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what I aim for. No, everybody knows that Kirk sucks is the thing. Like, everybody knows. And people, like, even Elizabeth, who is trying to be like, well, I guess if her cousin likes Kirk, that's her business, is just constantly like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, he's not great. It's beyond bizarre, though, because Kelly doesn't know what happened with that prank that they pulled on him. Yeah. She has no idea what that's about, and she's still... (laughs) Right. All of her stammering and confusion about what he's talking about is very genuine. She has no idea what what he's talking about. Right. Jessica just doesn't tell her? Jessica Yeah, they they should definitely go in to... Like, if they told her what Kirk did to Penny... Well, but the thing is, so so... 
Kelly comes back from this dairy burger dinner that that very night. She like leaves immediately and goes out and, and eats with him at the dairy burger. She comes back from it and she's just like, no, he told me how everybody says he's he's insensitive and a jerk, but he's really changed. And he told me how much he's changed. I mean, so. here's the thing. It's perpetually junior year. Nobody gets to change. You're just stuck. <laughs> right. Right. Like effectively no time has passed as far as we know. Um, so this is just like a continuing thing. They really should have told her about what Kirk did, but they don't. And, you know, there are, you know, several days or weeks or I don't know how long, how much time passes. I guess it's over the course of a week that this is happening, something like that. And she is repeatedly like all dressed up waiting for a date with Kirk. And he is 10, 20, 30 minutes late, an hour late to come get her. And just when she's about to get really mad at him, maybe he shows up and he has a great excuse. <laughs> That's relative. Great excuse. <laughs> well, in her eyes, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Like he'll say, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, I ran out of gas, but oh man, if I had only, if, oh no, I'm confusing her with her dad now. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. We'll that get was to Kirk. That was Kirk. He ran out of gas. Okay. Yeah. The gas thing was the Kirk. The phone thing, we'll get to that with the dad. But uh, then he also, like, at one point they go to the beach disco and, like, everybody's there. And Kirk is like, oh, I want to go talk to my friend. And it's it's some chick. And she's like, okay. And he's like, oh, wow, babe, you're so cool. Like, most girls wouldn't let me talk to a friend, but she's just a friend, man. This is somebody named Marcy Kaplan. His ex-girlfriend. Yeah, so rumors start flying that Kirk and Marcy Kaplan are together again. But when Kelly brings it up to Kirk, he is very much like, oh, man, you can't believe what everybody says. Don't you trust me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't trust you. I've known you for two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So as we start thinking about Kelly and her relationship with her father, Laura, Aunt Laura is Kelly's mom. And she calls the house and Kelly won't even come talk to her because Kelly just thinks that her mom is terrible. Oh, and Kelly is really excited because her birthday's coming up and her father, who's in Europe, is going to be flying back to LA, like on her birthday, and is going to come to Sweet Valley and they're going to hang out. Right. So yes. she's really, really excited about it. She talks about it nonstop, right? I mean, she talks about her daddy nonstop. All yeah, she always calls him daddy. But he's in fairness to her, he sends a letter to her and signs it, Daddy. So it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, why, why do you want a 16 year old girl to call you Daddy? Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, as long as we're talking about Greg and him, his, his uh, suaveness or whatever, um, I think that I wanted to talk about Greg a little bit in the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. So oh. it's a little early for that, but we can, we can uh, dive. Oh, oh, who's a beautiful boy? Who's a beautiful boy? I'm in danger of losing my head. So. In the boys section of the podcast, we're usually talking about like actual boys and like their uh, sort of objectification. And so like I, I, or the only actual boy boy other than Kirk that I I thought was kind of a, a funny moment in this book is early on when they first show up to school and Bill Chase is outside and the Jessica's like, oh, maybe he'll notice us as we walk by and how we all look alike and we're dressed alike. And um, so they walk by. Hi, Bill, Jessica called brightly as the three of them approached Bill's car. The muscular sun-bronzed surfer paused for a moment as he looked out his window. Hey he drawled, his eyes opening wide as he stared at them. Awesome, he declared. <laughs> but, of course, I said I was going to talk about Greg, so that's, so, this is back at the at the dinner, at the dairy, not dinner, but the, the dairy burger thing with Nicholas, like when Kelly meets Nicholas for the first time, she's talking about how great her dad is. Oh, because Nicholas works with his dad, and she's just like, oh, I wish I could spend that much time with my dad, he's so great, I just think he's so great, and Nicholas is like, I can see that you think he's great. <laughs> She pulls out a picture of him and (laughs) shows it. So she pulled out her wallet and opened it to a photograph. 
Nicholas took it with a polite smile, and Elizabeth peered over his shoulder. He's really handsome, Elizabeth said, startled by the face in the picture. Black hair, a roguish, self-mocking smile, dark eyes, and an air of disarming charm. I'd forgotten what he looks like. It's been so long. Jessica pulled the photo toward her. Let me... Wow, you're not kidding, she exclaimed, looking at Kelly with admiration. Too bad he's too old for me, she said, her dimple showing. So creepy. That was your uncle. I know. I mean, I know it's not a blood relative, but come on, Jessica. <laughs> but oh. they do that. They do it when Stephen comes in, too. Kelly like, blushes, and she's like, oh, it's Stephen. I'm like, no, that's yeah. your cousin. That and is- she's so excited to see him, too. I, yeah. Well, I mean, as long as we're on this bent, we might as well have Collins, Collins watch, watch 2020. 2020. Uh <laughs> the only reason Mr. Collins is even brought up in this book is on Kelly's first day of school, uh, because Elizabeth is talking about working on the newspaper, and oh, Mr. Collins is the advisor. Have you met him yet? The book says, Kelly recalled the handsome young teacher and remembered how surprised she had been when he entered the room. He looked more like a movie star than an English teacher. I wish I had him for every class, Kelly confessed with a lopsided grin. One period a day is not enough. They came to a halt outside a door labeled the Oracle, and Elizabeth gave her a knowing nod. Believe me, he's one of the best teachers here. He's a really great guy. And he's the newspaper advisor, too, she added, arching her eyebrows provocatively. Whoa, look out, Kelly exclaimed. I'm about to become a reporter. Uh, a young girl's sexual awakening over an English <laughs> teacher. Indeed. Indeed. And and Ke- Kelly does write some, she writes some bullshit for the paper about st- Sweet Valley through a stranger's eyes, even though she lived in Sweet Valley until she was eight. But she doesn't really remember that time. She has no memories of those early days. So that's also a running thread through the story. Kelly doesn't really remember what it was like living there as a girl. She doesn't know why her mother left her dad, but she has this nightmare that is making waking her up in tears. Jessica's worried about it. They think maybe she's not adjusting well to to Sweet Valley because she keeps having these nightmares. And And we get a glimpse of it. We get a glimpse into the nightmare every once in a while, and it's just very vague, like the feeling of darkness, the shattering, loud noises. It's all very vague, and she just wakes up and tries to put it out of her head repeatedly. So where were we? We were talking about Kirk. Oh, so, I mean, the description of Greg, Daddy Greg, <laughs> Uncle Greg, <laughs> is, I mean, it, it is very much like an older Kirk. Like, the, yeah. even down to the dark hair, um, the sort of rakish good looks. That's That's Kirk. So, interesting. Yeah, that's the pattern, right? Yeah, definitely. I I remember what we were talking about. What we were talking about was that Aunt Laura, her reluctance to explain to anybody, including to Kelly, what happened with her dad is something that Ned and Alice sort of lament when they think about how weird it is that Kelly is so resentful toward her mother, won't talk to her on the phone and all of that. This is all wrong. Kelly is such a sweet girl. She shouldn't feel this way about her mother. Leaning against the edge of the desk, Mr. Wakefield folded his arms and nodded. I know, sweetheart. It's really a shame. Oh, Ned. With another sigh, she leaned her head back against the couch and rubbed her eyes. I can't say I really blame Kelly for not understanding. I just wish Laura would stick up for herself and tell the whole story. Well, she thinks she's being fair to Kelly, letting her come to her own conclusions. But she's not being fair. That's the point. Shielding Kelly doesn't justify hiding the truth about Greg. He did some terrible things, and I think Kelly is old enough to know that. She deserves to know it. Mr. Wakefield nodded sadly. But it's what Laura thinks that matters, sweetheart. Kelly is her daughter, and we've promised to follow her rules while Kelly's here. I know, Dad. Mrs. Wakefield shook her head bleakly and stared into the bottom of her coffee cup. But it's still wrong. So this is a n- not the first instance of the Wakefield parents also being complicit in some sort of lie that somebody's parents <laughs> has told them to be complicit in. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they're only 16 years old. 
This happened eight years ago. That's half of their lives. Kelly hasn't known the truth for half of her life. So of course she doesn't remember anything from when she was little. That doesn't even, it's probably a completely different world in her mind. Right. Well, and it's not even just some some mysterious, terrible thing that Greg did that her mom's keeping a secret from her. It's like the fact that he cheated on her multiple times. The fact that he had a terrible temper. Like, they're, like <laughs> Laura wouldn't have to tell her everything about her dad to, like, if she just said, listen, he was unfaithful to me and left it at that, that's a reason to divorce your husband. Yeah, but now it's just been too long. I feel like anything you say sounds like you're trying to poison someone against them. Right, right. And oh, and she does say eventually in the book that she was afraid that if she started saying critical things about Greg, she wouldn't be able to stop. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> okay, so so like getting back into the plot here, uh, Kelly's bragging a lot about her dad and how he's going to come for the birthday. She gets a letter from her dad about how he's going to, he's as long as his jet lag isn't too much for him, he's so excited to get to see her. And Elizabeth is starting to feel a little bit like, ooh, everything I've heard about this dad, he sounds like he's not so hot. Like, I, I'm a little nervous that Kelly is so excited about seeing him, right? Right. Which monkey is Elizabeth? Does she speak no evil? Is that what's happening? So she's not going to say anything bad about her? (laughs) Yes, yes. The only one that doesn't really make sense is for Jessica to be here no evil. No, I'll give her that because she doesn't really pay attention to anything. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) This book has a funny line where Jessica is in the lunchroom, like, telling Lila that she also is worried that Kelly is too excited about her dad, who seems like he's kind of a shit and she doesn't know what to do. And Lila's just sort of like, oh, whatever. Like, what are you going to be for the Halloween or (laughs) what are you going to be for the costume party? And the book is like, leave it to Lila to not care at all about anything that's not about her. But that's every character. Like, Kelly runs into (laughs) someone in the bathroom and they're like, are you okay, Kelly? Because she's upset about something. Yeah, I'm fine. And then it's, okay, well, then what are you going to be for the costume party? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Definitely. Um, So it's there is actually this moment where Elizabeth, uh, it's one of the times that um, Kelly has repeatedly been uh, forgiving of Kirk. And this rumor's going around that Kirk has been, is dating Marcy Kaplan again. Kirk doesn't show up to pick up Kelly to take her to the beach. Everybody was going to go to the beach. And then he shows up with Marcy Kaplan. Yes. And (laughs) tells Kelly, oh my God, you wouldn't believe it. Marcy's parents are broken up and she just won't quit talking to me about it. Like she just really needed a friend right now, which I guess, what did you think? Is that viable? Is that? I mean, it's... It's hard to say because we know how it turns out. Yeah. Maybe if you're Kelly, though, I can kind of understanding her wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but he comes with Marcy and then he leaves with Marcy a few minutes later. So my question is, what is he telling Marcy all the time yes. that Kelly's I would around? have loved to see a conversation between or like between Marcy and Kirk or between Marcy and Kelly. Like what? Yeah. What is Marcy? Because he's he's spending more time with Marcy at this point than he is with Kelly. Oh, totally. Um, I don't understand I guess, at all why he's into Kelly. Like it feels like he's. I yeah. mean, like, is he just taunting her because he's mad at Jessica and Elizabeth in the end? Or is he just trying to get laid? what i I mean it's i think i think it must be the latter like he thinks if i can stick it out for three dates like then i'm gonna (laughs) get some action because when kelly brings up to him like hey are you sure there's nothing going on between you and marcy i was ready for kirk to be like damn bitch if you're gonna be like that then i i'm done with you but he isn't he's like Nah, baby, come on, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially, he he's he doesn't get mad at her so much as he's like, "Who do you trust, them or me?" Right? You know? Who do you trust, your cousins you haven't seen in eight years, or me, who you just met eight hours ago? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but there's this moment where Elizabeth is starting to get worried and she's talking to Enid of course Enid's only appearance in this book is to give Elizabeth someone to voice her thoughts to she's talking to Enid about how Greg was a 
supposedly a bad guy, but they're not allowed to say anything bad about Uncle Greg to Kelly. And Enid says, well, was he really that bad? I mean, these things sometimes get blown out of proportion. Maybe it was just a case of two people being incompatible. No, he did some awful things, Enid. Mom says he used to lose his temper all the time, and she paused and looked sadly at Enid. He had affairs with other women, too. Oh, that is pretty low. She nodded. But he always made all sorts of apologies and excuses. There was a pause while Elizabeth stared vacantly into space. Liz? Swallowing hard, Elizabeth brought one hand up to her throat and fingered her gold chain. She realized that she could have been describing Kirk Anderson with exactly the same words. Did that mean Kelly was falling into the same kind of dead-end relationship Aunt Laura had? Was Kelly attracted to the same kind of untrustworthy guy? Confused, she shook her head. It was too complex for her to understand. (laughs) Oh... Liz, there's a reason you don't go away to college and you stay home for it. (laughs) Oh, no, Liz. Uh, Too complex. Um, Well, Sweet Valley needs her. She can't leave. Sweet Valley. (laughs) They can never leave. (laughs) This may Um, just be purgatory for the Wakefields. I think that's a really strong theory, Shay. I mean... (laughs) It's like things change, but nothing changes. It is all kind of like a weird fever dream, like where everything changes and nothing changes. Um, Time so, doesn't move on. They're yeah. just stuck reliving junior year over and over again. And just every every week, another dance. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I would love it if by the time we get to like book 140 or whatever, they're just like so over dances, like not another dance, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're still going to be really excited about prom or... Whatever evil twin is coming to town. The droids would have nothing to do if they didn't keep having dances. (laughs) Right. Well, where would they play their hit tune, Dance Bop? (laughs) Their their only tune. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dance Bop gets a name dropped in this book, and I was just like, wow, creative naming of your songs. Droids. Sweet Valley High's own rock band, the droids. Um, So... It's not, we don't have to wait too long for the final appearance of, of Daddy Greg. Um, he shows up, but he's an hour and a half late. Uh, right? Because of traffic. Even though days before, the Wakefields picked up Kelly just fine from LAX and got home in like 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, the excuse of traffic is very viable. <laughs> like, no, I listen, get the traffic it's was 1980 something. Oh, good point. Good point. And also 90 <laughs> minutes late. Like, you can be 20 minutes late because of traffic, not 90 minutes. Right. Well, Sweet Valley is a suburb of L.A., correct? Uh, presumably. We don't really know. I think it's in Orange County. I mean. I think it's like a Manhattan Beach kind of yeah. Newport Beach, Huntington Beach kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. They definitely sound like they're living in Huntington Beach. None of them are wearing masks right now. All of Sweet Valley High has been decimated due to the pandemic. We're honing in and we're honing in and get another another vote. I think, yeah, Huntington Beach is a strong candidate. Um, so everybody, the Wakefields had sort of planned this kind of little mini party before dinner, before like when the dad gets there, but instead it just all devolves because he's not there and he's not there. Kelly's more and more nervous. But finally the dad comes and he just sweeps in and he's as hot as he was in his picture <laughs> and he's like s- tells everybody how great they look and he's super charming. And Kelly is over the moon to see it. So he's there for a few minutes, right? Oh, and then there's those flowers that come. This big, beautiful bouquet of flowers arrives at the door. And Kelly's like, oh, Daddy, they're so beautiful. I love them so much. And then she looks at the card and they're from her mom. And she's like, oh, mom sent them. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly the flowers don't look so hot. But the crazy thing about this is that He's there for, like, five seconds. He t- he shows up. He tells her how sorry he is for being so late. He would never miss this in a million... It was one date he doesn't want to be late for. And he tells her a story about the present that he wanted to buy for her in Paris, but the shipping would have taken too long. And that's why he doesn't have any present for her at all. So weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. So here's, here's this... Uh, the last couple pages of chapter nine of this book. 
Elizabeth frowned, puzzled. Kelly's father didn't want to make her wait for her birthday present, so he brought nothing? That didn't make any sense. Oh, Daddy, I don't care if you get me something or not. I'm just so happy you're back, Kelly insisted. That's my girl, he said fondly. And you know, I was thinking, she continued, glancing quickly at Elizabeth for support. Maybe you could move back to Sweet Valley, and I could live with you instead of Mom. There was a tiny gasp of surprise from Mrs. Wakefield, and Elizabeth looked at her mother nervously. Alice Wakefield's face was drained of color. Well, sweetheart, that's a terrific idea. Greg Bates slapped his palms on the arms of his chair for emphasis and gave Kelly a nod. That's one terrific idea, and we can talk about it when I get some things settled. When will that be? She asked eagerly. Soon, honey, soon. But for now, he took one look at his watch and said mournfully, I'm sorry, but I have to get back to L.A. A late business dinner, sweetheart. Kelly looked stunned. But, Dad, she began, her voice as small as a child's. I know, honey, I hate to do this to you, but I can't miss it. I'll call you real soon, and we'll talk about that idea of yours, okay? With a dazzling smile, he pushed himself to his feet and took Kelly's hands. How about a smile for your dad? Uh, and then he leaves. And he's been, how long do you think he was there? Not even a whole conversation. Like it's, he's said yeah. maybe five sentences yeah, to all of them. Yeah, I think he was there for five minutes. Yeah. But she still Which, manages to say daddy like 10 times in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. When we're done with this, I'm going to go through the book and just count how many times they say daddy. Oh, yeah. You can do that because you have the Kindle edition. You can search for <laughs> daddy. You can search for um, aloof. <laughs> uh, Katie last week was pointing out how many times the word aloof gets used in these books. And so I was pleased to notice that it does pop up uh, in reference to Kirk Anderson in this book at one point. He is very aloof during study hall. I feel like the subtitle of this episode is The Daddy Episode. <laughs> great. Great. I'm glad few of them could be called Daddy The Daddy Episode, but this is definitely one that could. And thank, thank God Jessica and Elizabeth don't call Ned daddy because I couldn't take a hundred and something books of daddy constantly. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes up sometimes, but it's always in context of like, oh, you know, please, daddy, you know, can I have some extra money? Like, yeah. it's not, it's not usually he's dad. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should say, if in case anybody out there listening is feeling like we're hating on calling your dad daddy, I actually very frequently call my own dad daddy, but I don't know. There's something about in the book, it just feels weird. (laughs) I think it's the way the book is objectifying and, uh, and like sexualizing Greg Bates and then the way that Kelly goes on to date a man who is exactly like yes. her father, that is is what makes it feel a little weird. It often feels weird with characters because there's some mm-hmm. weird insincerity about it as opposed to in real life. But this, yeah, it's particularly disturbing because she acts like he's some kind of rock star that she's in love with. Right. Creepy. Uh, one thing I thought was really striking about this scene where Greg leaves is that Kelly doesn't hear, but Alice says as soon as he's out of earshot, she's like teary-eyed and she says, I'll never forgive him for this. So Alice is really like anti-Greg. She was anti-Greg before yeah. and this was like the last, the last, last, last straw. Oh, Kelly. Poor Kelly. But, you know, they... The book goes on and Kelly gets over it a little bit. And eventually it's time for the big costume party, right? (laughs) So her birthday hasn't been bad enough. It's about to get worse. (laughs) Yeah. Well, is the costume party is like on the next day or something? I don't remember. It's hard to tell. Um, I think it's the same day. Like the twins (laughs) go out and they finally buy the costume (laughs) okay i don't know i feel like it's the next day but because because they say something to kelly about how maybe they can go do something later that night for fun Uh, but so this costume party um what do you think of the costumes (laughs) they're terrible i mean it's not just the no evil monkeys that are bad costumes everybody's costumes just are kind of bad it's horrible like my my beloved my so beloved jeffrey french that i had a stuffed (gasps) animal named after him is a hobo apparently (laughs) he's not just a hobo he is a ragged dirty wino (laughs) 
And I, I am so, I, I, I mean, we're going to, I feel like we need to talk more about this Jeffrey French situation. I just, I don't understand what's happening. Was he too handsome? He had to be a wino? Oh, Shay. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, so, it just so happens that when I was reading this book, what should come out of my copy of the book, but some notes that I wrote and had slipped in to the book from back whenever I read this book and wrote the summary of it for sweetvalleydiaries.net, the mm-hmm. longstanding blog. This was one of the later books that I that I read, so it might have been as late as like 2013, 2014, even later than that, that I, that I reviewed this book. So not so, so terribly long ago, but I have a little list of what the costumes were. And Ooh. the list, I'll read it for you now. It says, Princess Diana... <laughs> quote ragged dirty wino unquote donald duck rita hayworth a hippie a mexican woman and gladiators bonus points if you can guess who decided to dress in the traditional authentic uh outfit of a quote-unquote mexican woman for uh the costume party if you guessed Sandra Bacon, in honor of her boyfriend Manuel Lopez, who is Mexican, you are correct. That seemed like a good idea to her. Um, bunch of grapes, scuba diver, sexy pirate. And then I wrote, and this was something that came at the end of the chapter, that it definitely was just like, a, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore, kind of a, of a moment when... Um, uh, Kelly's looking around. She's leaving the party, and it was this fantasy land full of Indians, clowns, Raggedy Ann dolls, and cowboys. She's <laughs> like, oof. And that sounded okay. like a dreamland to her, and it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Because, of, of course, Nicholas Morrow, I don't know, it doesn't matter that she dropped him to go to this dance with Kirk. Uh, I think Kirk is dancing with Marcy Kaplan at some point at this party. Am I making that up? <laughs> But I mean, I, I why not? Is, is she the I, slutty pirate? Like, <laughs> no, he is. He looks like a sexy pirate. Oh, right. So Kelly's willing to forgive him anything, and he's basically like, "Baby, do you want to get out of here? Spend some time together?" Listen, I'm going like, to be honest. I'll forgive a sexy pirate anything as well. So I get it. <laughs> I mean, I bet Kirk Anderson as a sexy pirate is very sexy pirate. <laughs> I mean, rakish and black hair. That's all you need to be a sexy pirate. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Kel- so Kelly has been warned a few times that Kirk is, like, fast, essentially. Or what is, um, what does Kara say? She says something, like, adventurous. <laughs> and Kelly's like, I bet he's a great kisser. Like, that's where Kelly's head is at in yeah. terms of, like, going far with a boy. But he drives her up to... Miller's point, and oh, I, oh my God! <laughs> At the dance, he asks her if she wants a drink. It's like they've got punch here, but I've got beer in the car. <laughs> He's like <laughs> drinking car beer. <laughs> She's like, "Isn't that warm? Like that's not cool. That's not a cool dude thing to do to drink car beer." But it oh. gets worse because he gets in the car to drive her there and he's like hey do you want to split a beer with me and like pops open a bottle a glass bottle of beer as he drives away because there are no cops in sweet valley yeah it's a twist off apparently because it says he says want to share a beer with me no thanks kirk shrugged and twisted off the cap the car surged forward along the highway (laughs) and began climbing the hill to miller's point it's like Damn, Lord. I was just driving on the highway last night, not drunk, <laughs> and you know, in as full possession of my senses. And I was, I was nervous on the highway with with no open beer. But man, Kirk, he's he's just drinking and driving actively, uh, <laughs> and no qualms about it. He's like, hey, babe. You want to share this with me? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And and weirdly enough, it's not a red flag yet no, for Kelly. All. Kelly is all ready to kiss him. He's a great kisser and, like, cozy up to him until his fingers, like, start wandering uh, under her leotard or whatever. And then she's very much firmly, like, stop it. And what he says to her is upsetting. He's like, I've taken you on a few dates, babe. I think you owe me this now. You know, it's 
It's been a while since we've gotten this from Sweet Valley, but it has happened before. He accuses her of being a tease. I'm not saying I agree that she owes him anything. That absolutely we all agree she does not. But even if that was his thinking, he is not successfully taken her out. He was half an hour late for one date, didn't show up for the other one until she was already there and brought another girl and then left with the other girl. So I'm confused as to why he would think that she owed him something when they've never actually had a real date. I'm pretty sure this is like the first time that they've ever really like kissed. Yeah. So he's really going from, you know, first to home like really fast um he's stealing bases is what i'm saying shay yes (laughs) um but but kelly to her credit like she puts it down she puts her foot down right away um but and then kirk in a real dumbass move because it's like i don't know i feel like if he had said the right things to kelly he could definitely have convinced her to do anything because that's kelly like you know she wants (laughs) to please him but instead he's mean to her and he makes a terrible mistake which is he throws one of the glass beer bottles and it crashes and the sound of the crash um really upsets kelly and she starts telling him stop it stop doing that and he's like I'll do what I want. I'm a grown man. Like I can throw beer bottles and he keeps on doing it. He's making her matter and matter until she runs off crying and he tries to get her to get in the car and she won't. And he just like leaves her there. Cause he sucks. Oh, it's terrifying. Like he's screaming at her, throwing bottles. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, he's not throwing the bottles at her, but what he is doing is very scary. And you, I wouldn't want to get in the car with him either, (laughs) but he doesn't like go off to find someone to pick her up. He just leaves her there. And um, here's what the book says about what's going on with poor Kelly. It was the sound of breaking glass that haunted her dreams and thundering out of control anger. The scene swam dizzily into focus at last and she remembered it all. She was eight years old, hiding under the kitchen table, her hands over her ears, while her father raged with the fury of a hurricane at her mother. She heard dishes smashing to the floor. It was a methodical, piece-by-piece destruction of every plate and bowl and glass in the cupboards. Her mother was pleading, begging her father to stop, and grabbing his arms. Cursing, he threw her off, and when he wouldn't stop destroying everything he could, she fell sobbing next to Kelly and ordered her to run next door for the neighbors. But Kelly couldn't move. She was frozen in place as she watched her father storm out of control. Daddy, don't do it, she cried, pressing her hands to her face. Daddy, no, stop it. Mommy! devastated, Kelly cried and cried now as though her heart were breaking. She couldn't stop. Small rocks and sticks pressed into her legs as she knelt in a crumpled heap on the road to Miller's Point. Now that she could remember what her nightmare was, she also came to a horrible realization. The dam in her mind had finally broken. That horrible nightmare scene had been real. Oh, Kelly. Poor Kelly. Sounds sounds scary. The good news is there's always someone from Sweet Valley High going up to Miller's Point to make out, so someone will find her quite quickly. Yeah. So who is that? It? It's like uh, Maria Santelli? Or, I no, don't remember. Right. I just know they come and they mess up some Jeffrey and Liz action, which I've been waiting the whole book for, and show up with her cousin. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth's like, Jeffrey, do you want to come inside for ice cream? And he's like, what flavor? And she says, does it matter? <laughs> Oh, girl. <laughs> so I know. So close, but no cigar with Jeffrey. Um, instead, yeah, they, it's Jean. It's Jean and Tom McKay, um, which Lord only knows what they would be getting up to at Miller's Point. But they are, uh, they found her, they bring her back. And, and then it's like they call Laura and Laura flies out to Sweet Valley and they have a heart to heart and Kelly's not going to move to Sweet Valley and she doesn't hate her dad, but like she under, she realizes that she's been a brat to her mom and she wants to make it up to her. And it's a happy ending. <laughs> and it's all happy in the end. Did, I, did we miss anything? Did we miss anything important? No. I mean, it just all get, it gets resolved so quickly and it's just, you don't get to see anything from Kelly and Laura's point of view. The Wakefields are just all out by the pool, waiting for them to hash it out. And then it's magically all better. 
Yeah, we just find out that they had a hard emotional talk. And Laura kind of explains what we alluded to before, this thing of like, I I thought as soon as I started talking shit about my ex, I would never be able to stop. And so I didn't want to say anything. She says something that I think is fair and like, which is that she'd seen a lot of bitter women really turn their ch- like turn their children against their fathers and that she didn't want to be one of those people and i'm sure that's something that happens a lot because you know how could it not it's only natural i think but it's like she's trying so hard not to do that that she doesn't give the her daughter an opportunity to have an accurate sense of of what happened between the parents and why the, she literally like kelly literally thinks that the mom just up and abandoned her father like and took her away one day well that's what it looks like you she didn't just get up and abandon greg like she left her whole family she hasn't seen her own sister in eight years she hasn't yeah, seen anybody true. in her family in eight years it's arizona it's an hour flight i don't yeah. understand you can how. drive there in like six or seven hours I yes. think from yeah I mean and even if like they never visited the Wakefields were too busy to go out and check on them in Tucson it was just too far away for them yeah that's a good point the harder you look at it and you can't leave Sweet Valley <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point the harder you look at it the more it's like what what like what why what did happen like this seems serious uh but that's all for me that's almost all the more reason why kelly should have been able to put together the pieces a little bit that like maybe her mom was hiding out from her dad to a certain extent but the thing is that kelly did things with her dad from time to time so she had all these happy memories of that like every time she did get to see her dad and he let her eat all the junk food she wanted or whatever and mom would never do that because moms are mean (laughs) i want to so much i just want to write kelly off as a brat because of how she treats her mom and her mom going into this remarriage. But I have to say, Marissa, because I'm a kid, like my dad passed away in high school and my mother dated Mm. exactly once. And I had such a breakdown over it, like crying and yelling and you never loved my father, that as far as I know, 20 something years later, my mother never went on another date. Now, I hope to God she did, but... The horrible 16-year-old brattiness of me in that state, I feel bad for Kelly and I get it, especially because she had her dad and was so in love with her dad that her mom brought in another man and a family. Like, I get that. Now suddenly I feel bad for Kelly. Yeah. Well, you sound just like Elizabeth. Like, every time she starts to get mad at Kelly, she thinks about what it must be like to be in this complicated situation, and she stops being mad at her. Elizabeth always stops being mad at everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But they all love each other. They're cousins forever. And so it's okay. But, you know, I think it's right. I don't think that anybody's... I mean, we on this show, it's sort of our purview to make a big deal about the bizarre choices that people are making and highlight them. But it is all like, it is understandable why everybody does the things that they do in this book. I, I The hardest thing I have buying is Kelly's willingness to date Kirk when everybody is telling her how he sucks. But even that, I have to grant her like, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being like the one person that a kind of assholey boy is really nice to, but it is like a drug. Like it is very... Um, like intoxicating to like feel like you have that power over somebody that everybody else thinks is a jerk or that or that is often you a jerk to other people. Yeah, totally. It, but again, like the twins could have saved so much heartache if they had told her what actually happened. Right, right. Because she doesn't really have any proof that he is a bad guy. You know, if she knew, if she had the benefit of the knowledge that everybody else has about what he's done in the past, she would take one glance at his various behaviors and be like, oh, I see that this guy really does suck. But she doesn't really have that. And nobody's told her specifics about what he's done in the past. So she just thinks, well, everybody else does. Nobody else understands him the way I do. Well, even even after all this goes down and the whole thing with her 
mother has happened and they're talking about it. She's still like, Kirk was a good kisser, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, the, a, a little bit of a being a good kisser can uh, cover over a lot of <laughs> bad behavior, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it would have flown if he hadn't been wearing the pirate costume. <laughs> good point. Well, Shay, at this point in the podcast, I need to ask you an important question, and that is, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Oh, that is hard because... Good. Excellent. I grew up with my identical cousin, Marissa. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's my name. (laughs) And we definitely... I'm looking at a picture of us right now on my wall from high school where we're wearing matching sweatshirts and matching necklaces and have the same hair that's definitely how we were raised because we were a couple months apart she was always jessica and i was always elizabeth like we played sweet valley high when we were kids but in no way is that the truth like (laughs) she's definitely (laughs) the more studious one like she went off to college to become a nurse and she married her high school sweetheart and she had my three adorable godchildren. and i was definitely just going through boys and i can't tell you which one was my high school sweetheart (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's interesting that we chose because we definitely chose much like we chose which new kid on the block we would love for the rest of our lives who we were Uh it's kind of like we went with the traits we didn't quite possess. So I'm going to stick with Elizabeth, man. That's what I aspire to. Oh, I love that. I was going to point out that you are an actor, and that is also a Jessica thing. Um, <laughs> well, will you tell us who your new kid was? Oh, I was definitely a Joey girl. I mean, yes, same. I am a Joey girl. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I think maybe for me, it might have been that Joey was the only was like the closest to me in age because <laughs> I yes. was in like second grade when I was aware of new kids on the block and he was what, like 12 or something. Yeah. He was a baby. Yeah. But Joey. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Do you think that either you or Marissa might have secretly been a Kelly? No, <laughs> but okay. we did have a third cousin. <laughs> Ooh, was she the Kelly? You know, they never shipped her off. There were three of us. My mom had three siblings, so there were four of them all together. And three of them all had babies the same year, all a couple months apart. It was Audrey, then me, and then Marissa. So we were all just a few months apart. But Audrey moved off to New Mexico when we were not toddlers, but probably around there. New Mexico is right next to Arizona. It's true. Oh, no. (gasps) I think Audrey might be the Kelly. Uh, but Her parents did I, get divorced. Now I just oh, have questions. Oh, my goodness. Well, I uh, was, now that I've said the name Kelly so many times in the span of a minute, <laughs> I was thinking about how confusing it would have been if at the end of this book or some point in this book, Kirk had taken Kelly to the bar Kelly's. Um, <laughs> like, hey, baby, it's named after you. This is the hottest place in town. But I oh. guess they they didn't want to draw any attention to the fact that they'd named the character the same thing as a, as a bar. I mean, when they remake the TV show, they should definitely do that. I agree. Uh, Shay, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. Um, I'm hopeful that you will join me for a slightly more conversation in the extra drama episode. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. You're welcome. Uh, would you like to tease the audience for what they have to look forward to in book number 46? Will Robin Wilson's aunt take control of Robin's life, forcing her to leave Sweet Valley and go to college in the East? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 46. Coming next month, the second Sweet Valley High super thriller, On the Run. A new boy in town is attracted to Elizabeth. When he won't talk about his past, Jessica and another intern on the Sweet Valley News decide to find out all about him. And what they learn is more than they've bargained for. Ooh, a double tease. Well, gladiators, <laughs> you can look forward to some bullshit about Robin Wilson uh, and her personal crisis um, on the next episode of this season, after the extra drama episode, the next regular episode. And On the Run will be coming at some point in the future.
Oh, right. This is the part of the podcast where I tell everyone to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Um, and I love it. You know, I, I could probably use some more five star reviews because I every once in a while I get some weird, random like review where someone's like, I love everything about this show. And then they rate it four stars or whatever. <gasps> so that would be helpful if you wanted to give the show a five star review. But I think the most helpful thing anybody could do would be to like, tell people that they think might like the show about the show. Because that's all I really want is to spread the message, the gospel of Sweet Valley High. It's, it's positives and it's negatives to the world. <laughs> um, so uh, if you could do that for me, that would be so cool. Um, we're at Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram and at Sweet Valley on Twitter. Shay, do you have anything you want to plug? I mean, if you really can't get enough of me, you can always watch me on Amazon Prime and I was a teenage wear skunk. Yay! <laughs> I've got I'll put a, a link to it in the show notes. Hey, I've got a bunch of stuff that will hopefully come out at some point during COVID times or post-COVID times. I did another movie with those people called Hillhead. The movie that I'm in and I produced called Eating Cars that just got a distribution agent. So you'll be able to see me everywhere. Yay. Okay. So look for Chazenati everywhere you find things to watch. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Can, can you hear my roommate laughing from the other room? Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> can she hear me? I don't know. I just, okay. <laughs> just hear peals of laughter all of a sudden. Oh, nope. Too bad. I would love to hear peals of laughter. Oh.